Hello and welcome. I'm Elizabeth Turp, a counsellor, trainer and writer. And I'm Paul Gorns, a careers advisor, trainer and lecturer. And this is How We Care. Conversations about what it takes to help people for a living. We are two experienced and committed helping professionals who are passionate about finding the best ways to take care of the people we help through our work and to support helping professionals to take care of themselves. So if you're a counsellor, careers advisor, coach, social worker, medical professional, a learning and development or HR professional or any other skilled helper or aspire to be one, this podcast is for you. Let's reflect on how we care. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to episode 18 of How We Care, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, today, Elizabeth and I are going to be revisiting a topic we've covered a couple of times before. Uh, we've got positive responses to um, and requests to cover more. Um, so uh, that's the area of professional self-care. Uh, so thinking about all the ways in which we can look after ourselves and look after each other um, to make sure we're, if possible, firing on all cylinders when we're doing our work. So, um, and we're going to cover it in a slightly different way today. Um, my wife works in social work, the lecturer in social work, and um, she has a pack of cards called uh, 50 Acts of Professional Self-Care for Social Workers, um, and this is uh, developed by Kerwin McLean Associates and Self-Care Psychology. It says it's uh, ideal for a range of practitioners, but I, I suspect this is transferable to uh, a lot of helping professionals. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of reflects uh, the kind of theme of this podcast, which is aimed at helping professionals in all sorts of spheres. So what we thought we'd do is just um, pick out a few of these cards at random and see what comes up and um, see what we think about what comes up and what right. we've got to say. Mm -hmm. um, so you ready to go? Yeah, so it's a reaction episode. I like that type of podcast. Yeah, <laughs> a reaction episode. Just, uh, for everybody listening, uh, we're not in the same room, so and there's one set of cards. And so I've, I've never seen the cards in my life before, so yeah. I'm very excited, stroke scared of what's going to come out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to start with uh, the first one. Um, Okay, this says, make a list of why you became a social worker. So replace Ooh. social worker with whatever applies. And how about that for an act of self-care? It's different to what I would have was expecting. To, uh, yeah. So is, I'm wondering if the motivation for that is to return you to your original drivers maybe in this in the midst of you know sometimes it's easy to forget why you're doing something isn't it if you're very stressed or if things are difficult so so when it says make a list does it specify how many 
things? No, it isn't. And oh, okay. uh, so uh, there's a little bit more written on the on the back. So mm. knowing your why is so important to maintaining your motivation. Yeah. And making a list of why you join that profession in the first place helps mm-hmm. you to refocus and realign. Yeah. So it's exa- exactly what you said. Makes a lot of sense, that. Well, my why is a bit, you know, I don't know, it's a bit weird. I'll just talk talk it out loud, I guess. So I just feel like I was I was kind of born to it. So so yeah. it's like I can't help myself. So I was like, you know, I, I was I've always been extremely curious. And when I was very young, I was very much an observer of other other people and other children, you know. And then over time, I just have always been fascinated by people. And right up until the time I met you, actually, as your as my careers advisor, was I knew what area of work I wanted to go in. In fact, I was considering social work. Um, yeah. And I was considering teaching, but I had people from both those professions in my family, and they kind of put me off. <laughs> so I was searching for the right profession that would fit with my interest in people, feeling like I wanted to do something useful in the world. So that's a for me, that's a big reason why. Um, and I was doing a psychology degree, and I chose counselling psychology as a module. And literally the minute I started the module, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. So it felt right. And, you know, I just, it's, you know, lots of people kind of don't know what they want to do because they haven't been told about it yet. They don't know it exists in in the form that it exists, do they? And then I think that's probably around the time I came to speak to you as a career advisor about what, you know, how do I go about this? What do I do? Is this the right thing to focus on? And all of that, because obviously it's a long path from doing yeah. a module on a degree course to being, you know, and it, and it, you know, and it, and it was, yeah, that was it. So the, the number one answer on mine is it feels right, <laughs> but there's so many other whys. And to, I mean, to be honest, I feel like because I work for myself, I have quite a lot of autonomy now. I have my life set up in a certain way, which is usually good for managing stress. I'm engaged with the why every minute of the day. Like earlier on today, I, I did something which made me just feel like my face was almost cracking with how happy I was about something <laughs> I'm doing related to my work. Brilliant. So that, yeah, so I get the I get the motivation of the question, but I think I'm really lucky because my why is like ever present. You know, like it just keeps, <laughs> you know, it's that type of work where you constantly get a reinforcement that you're in the right place. So yeah. I'm wondering what, what are yours? What What's your... Well, uh, probably something very similar in that I, when I first started, I was looking for something that would align with what I felt my skills and values were. And this was a, doing careers work was a, a close fit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, because I'm um, teaching uh, trainee careers professionals at Coventry University, um, it's really interesting because all of them have recently been the, through the process of of making the decision to train for the profession. And so um, their why is very fresh. Mm. And one of the things we do when we get them on the programme is to kind of investigate that why. Um, and there's a lot of commonalities, but there's a lot of different individual stories as well, which um, is really exciting. So um, the other thing that's occurred to me with this is um, 
hopefully doing this process uh, as an act of self-care, as it says, kind of realigns you to why you do what you do. It does occur to me that another act of self-care sometimes is to walk away from Mm. something. And Mm -hmm. so um, it strikes me that sometimes you may be in a work situation where the pressures to work in a particular way mm-hmm. rub against the reasons why you do what you do and oh. make it more difficult to do the job. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes doing this as an act of self-care may lead to that that decision to change mm-hmm. things, to seek a change within the role or to walk away from the role. Yeah, so, so either to walk away completely or to walk away to a different setting and doing yes. it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's been very interesting. Uh, There's another bit on the card which says, knowing your values and motivation gives you a rich resource to tap into when things are hard Mm -hmm. and a helpful barometer to guide your practice and recognise your successes. So um, that leads to a kind of other thing, which may be on another of the cards, but um, recognising your successes, taking time to write down what have I, what have I done that's worked, mm, mm-hmm. who have I, who do I know I've helped? Yeah, um, that that's really that, that that yeah. I think that that's a really that leads into another kind of effective thing you can do. So fantastic. Out another one. Okay. Um. Okay, I have no idea. Well, <laughs> I have the I have the vaguest idea what this is going to be about. Uh, it says, "Eat your frog." Does that mean anything to you? Oh no! <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I don't want to do so it. <laughs> Okay, so let's have a go at this. This is the brainchild of productivity expert Brian Tracy. The basic principle is as follows. Mm-hmm. Okay, right can identify with this each day you identify the task you are most dreading having to do but which is essential the difficult phone call to a client the report that feels like it will never end the conversation with a manager where you know there will be conflict you do it now first thing no excuses for the rest of the day, you feel better. You've achieved something right at the start of the day. You're no longer dreading things and you feel productive. It's a win. What oh, do you think okay. of that? Yeah. And what comes up for me, actually, is there's a massive parallel there with getting up in the morning and working out first. Because yes. it, set, it sets the tone for the day. It sends a message to yourself that you've achieved something that you're. Well, especially you know, somebody like me who who has health issues. So sometimes it's quite difficult for me, not motivation wise, but physically to do something first thing. So when yeah. I do it, it makes me feel good about myself. I'm like, and it's so that it's it with this eating the frog thing. It's the same idea, isn't it? Because it's like if you can do something that you really didn't want to do at that point and you've done it, then like how can you not feel good about yourself so that's fantastic yeah tackling the difficulty head on and then you've got it and it's it does set the tone for the day it's like whereas if you avoid it all day it's lurking in the background or you're feeling you know you're going to feel bad about yourself uh, and it's all you know yeah I think I think the basic principle of that is good I suppose there might be some caveats like 
if it was something that that you know there was another reason why you were avoiding it like if you needed some support with it or if it was upsetting to you or you know if there's a more complex reason why that's the frog in this example then maybe it might be more difficult to do that but i think i get the the principle what what do you think yeah I, i'd agree with you i i think um i can relate to that that sense of doing something you don't feel like doing once you've done it you, you you're often um feel much better for it mm. um and and I think your workout example is is a really good example of that because a lot of us, especially during the winter, don't feel like doing that in the mornings. Uh, but I can also identify with your caveat because sometimes what I find helpful is not to do the thing necessarily um, because there may be genuine genuine reasons for delaying it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think sometimes I know this for myself, sometimes it's being honest about is this a genuine reason or not a genuine reason. So using yeah. some self-awareness to inquire into why am I not doing this? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But what I sometimes find helpful, if it's a big thing like a report, mm-hmm. is sometimes it's helpful just to dive in and start it, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's helpful to write a plan for it. Mm. and then put the plan away and come back to it. At a later yeah, because then your mind's working on it anyway, isn't it? Yes. So, so grabbing hold of it can help. So writing yes. a plan is to acknowledge it and do something with it. But then, yeah, because that's – oh, what's that called? It's going to come back to me in a minute. There's a there's a psychological theory around what's going on. Incubation, yeah, incubation. Uh, so incubation, when you, yeah. you know you've got to do a task, you do something, and you just let it – go around in the back of your mind and then by the time I mean I I don't write so many like written things anymore as I used to but you know when you're a student you're writing a lot of assignments or you're writing articles or whatever you often find or I often find when I come back to what I thought was just a sketched outline I'm like I've actually nearly written this and I didn't even know I've mm. done it <laughs> so um, and partly it, or if I haven't literally written it, it will just come straight out because my brain has been working on it in the background. So, yeah, that's, that's another really good point, isn't it? So even if you can't swallow the whole frog, you can get a bit of it. <laughs> Do something towards it and then set it aside because yes. at least then you haven't completely ignored it and let it, you know, I mean, there's so many strategies for, for managing anxiety, which... It's it, it's it's the opposite of ignoring because if you pretend that you don't know something needs doing or you're trying not to think about it, that's all you're going to be thinking about. Whereas if you front it up and go, "This is not this is difficult for me," and you do something about it, then you release because you've acknowledged you release some of the anxiety around it. So that 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 is a really good idea as well. Mm. But the worst thing you can do is not do anything at all with the biggest, most worrying thing that you need to do? Because it will be there yeah. in the background, won't it? So. Yeah. I, I think one of the, what you're saying about incubation, and I think we've, we've I possibly touched upon this in one of the previous episodes around self-care, is um, walking away from it and coming back. Yeah. Mm. Um, literally doing that so for me going for a walk if i'm if i've got mm-hmm. something on a it's it, it serves a double purpose a it's good to get out and get a break mm-hmm. 
but B, that subconscious processing, I think for me is accelerated through moving oh, Movement, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of really good ideas come when you're in movement. I mean, I think, mm. I've, I think I've mentioned this before. Sometimes it's very annoying because I get like fantastically good ideas when I'm swimming. And that's a nightmare yeah. because then you've got to remember the idea <laughs> by the time you finish and then like find a way to capture and i always just say to myself well if it's that great of an idea you'll remember it anyway so because <laughs> i'm not you yes. know i mean i could get out couldn't i and i could i could get out and go right and go, no, don't do that like, but but yeah that's another example in, in when the body is in flow and movement often the mind is freer and in flow itself so yeah okay so a lot comes out of that one Horrible mm. initial image of a frog. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a vegetarian, so, I... it's like triple <laughs> disgusting that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe there must be, um, there's, there's got to be a veg vegetarian alternative, which we need to come up with. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm going to pull another one out. Yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. This is tidy your desk and drawers. Oh, well, do you, do you want to go first with that one? I'm going to reflect on that one a little bit, I think. Um, yeah, I I, I, um, I love tidiness, but I'm not tidy, so uh, I have to really work at it. And um, again, this this goes back, this this links to the eating the frog. Uh, sorry to bring that up again. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's... <clears throat> It has the potential to be a diversion, like um, oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? I can't think of the actual word, but using it to put off doing something mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to say, um, I, I've found tidying up my workspace sometimes immensely helpful, uh, and and it's it's usually a mess. And I usually I, I I have this thing like oh well I know where everything is, um, and I've often been able to go into a messy pile and find something exactly. I I, I know whereabouts it is, even mm -hmm. though it might not look like that. But I have to confess sometimes that doesn't work, and I'm kind of like well where is it? Where is it? I, I know it's here. <laughs> so. Um, I think a cluttered workspace can be um, a distraction. Um, and I envy people who have a natural gift for tidiness. <laughs> mm. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just work harder at it. I don't know. But I, th I think I've worked with people who've just kind of naturally have that orderliness. And um, it, that doesn't come naturally to me. So I, I think um, as an activity, it can just realign things i'll say what it, it says spend 30 minutes clearing out your desk unless you're very unusual there will be plenty to tackle that makes me feel better <laughs> uh set a timer and just get on with it so that's interesting so to stop mm -hmm. being a diversion um and make it more purposeful more contained set it yeah set a time limit um there's truth to the saying, tidy house, tidy mind. Our environment has an impact on us, and a quick clear out can make all the difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot's coming up for me because I've got a, like my the room I'm in right now is partly my office and partly my creative space. And so 
if somebody else comes into this space, it just looks like overwhelmingly chaotic. So mm. it is actually quite organised. So I've got one of those cube units on the wall mm. and each, each unit has got like different types of art materials or, you know, all kinds of different things, especially like an art shop. Um, and what I, I tend to have things in like all over the place, but they are fairly well organised. So I, I like you, I would know where something was. Um, and but so when you said that this task, I don't think I've ever used that as a as a way of self care. What happens for me is I kind of occasionally get a feeling that I'd like to move some things around or yeah. pile some things or tidy some things. And then what happens as a result of that is really positive because what usually happens is an idea for the next painting I'm going to do will present itself because I'll yeah. find but for me the the I'm not going to call it messiness because I don't it isn't messiness to me it's, it's it's a lot of things but because I collect resources in like bits of inspiration like photographs or whatever sometimes I will have forgotten that there's something there and when i yeah. rediscover it it will totally inspire me i'll be like oh my goodness i can do this with this and then a whole lot like the other day i was talking to someone on the phone not a client a friend when i talk to friends on the phone i tend to do some crafting and i, I was tidying up um a little a box of beads that i've got and a whole new project came to me out of that process so it's kind of it, it's a self-care thing as well though because it's it is really relaxing to me to do that process whereas i think for other people if you're if your messiness is more chaotic so you've just got like piles of stuff that you've just piled on top and you've got no clue what it is and you need to file it completely that probably isn't going to feel so relaxing you know so i think it's different isn't it for different people's different environments yeah. but i do think that having random chaos and mess everywhere isn't isn't good you know mentally and it isn't good isn't a good way to look after yourself is it because if you if you can't find something it's going to take you a really long time potentially to find something and be potentially quite stressful as well yeah so yeah so i think you know maybe what's coming out of this example is it might be different for different people that process mightn't it yeah but it is an act of you know making your space work for you isn't it yeah. i suppose that's the motivation for it but for me it's slightly different because my desk is not just a work desk so yes it's already a multi-use it's quite a big desk and it's got like a, a, a section and it's quite accidentally useful as well because when i'm working with clients they can't see all the art materials they can't yeah. see you know i mean you know you're looking at me now you can probably see something on the easel yeah, it won't that wouldn't be there if i was working with clients because obviously distracting and that I don't need them to be seeing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, the the whole room itself is is uh, to me a treasure trove of things. But to, to another person, it would be horrifying. Be like so messy, <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah, I do it when I feel like it. That's what I'm saying. And then it's nice. It's like oh yeah, it's like that's reinvigorating because it's like oh look at this, or you know oh you've forgotten you got that, or like let's try this new thing, or let's you know let's come back to this thing. Yeah, so I obviously like talking about that. That's yeah, I must I must enjoy that, mustn't I? <laughs> yeah, and I can relate. What something you said that I can relate to um, is um, sometimes when I'm going through stuff, 
think sometimes it can be stressful if you, if you can't find something. So it's, it's not a good experience, but um, doing it in an unhurried way, but sorting through stuff, um, I find like you, I, I, I'll find a piece of paper where I've written something down and it's an idea or it's a reference to a mm. book or, or an article or, um, uh, you know, something I've obviously wanted to capture and, and uh, I've just kind of written it down uh, and forgotten about it. And then um, I find quite often I rediscover it. And as you say, I kind of go back afresh to the idea and what I've often found is from a teaching perspective, I've often used some of those ideas or references in the next session that I've taught. Ah, uh, okay. Do you and feel it's like actually, go on, sorry. It's actually it's actually changed my how I was going to do the session. Mm. And usually usually in a positive way. Do you feel like sometimes you find things at the right time? That's what's yeah. coming up. Because that, that's what happens for me. Like yeah. you, you rediscover an idea. It's like you've you've planted a seed there, haven't you, by writing it down or whatever. And then it comes back to you almost like the incubation, but a different form. Yeah. Like, isn't it? You find it and then it, yeah. it's a part of what you're gonna do next. I mean, to me, because I'm really heavily into creativity, I work a lot of my clients are, are, are creatives. So yeah. we're doing a lot of work with creativity now and it's very exciting. And there's a lot in this about natural creative flow and processes yes where so much of it is the actual opposite of deliberate you know and like trying really hard to produce something whether it's writing or yeah. whether it's writing or painting or whatever whatever your like area of creativity is like sometimes it's the opposite of trying and it's actually allowing and being and, and kind of creating the right conditions for like jotting your ideas down or you know, having things around you that you like and find inspiring, and then it comes together. And I feel like this is a bit wacky, but sometimes it comes together in a really like almost magical way. And I mm. think that's why some people, you know, more religious people, sometimes talk about and the artist way program is is like this. They actually talk about that being as if God has has kind of given you this mm. idea. And I think I understand that. I mean, I don't believe that myself, but I understand that because sometimes it feels like it's come from else, like external places to you, and it all flows out. So I love, I love all that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of there's a, there's a real deep. It's all, it's all linked. It's all linked to your internal stuff and your ideas and your processes and your ideas are coming from your whole wealth of experience that you've got and then sometimes oh oh just find that oh look that fits that's like a perfect fit yeah it's just wonderful i love that i love that when that happens it's a really lovely feeling a bit surprising it's not necessarily fun but it can really take you to another level can't it with whatever you're doing and it's a good feeling so if we're coming back around to the self-care aspect of all of this then that feels good i mean that is it's like an honouring of you as an individual and, you know, everything that you are and everything that you're bringing to your work. Yes. And it, it's just a lovely thing. So to allow that to happen in what is often feels quite a random way yeah. is really lovely, I think. Yeah. Mm. God, this is taking us all over the place, This isn't it? So. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Um... 
Yeah, it's interesting because it's taken us to, to places I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so, yeah. great. I'm going to okay. pick another one now. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, create a gratitude practice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've already got an ex experience of this one. Have you ever done this? Um, not consistently, no. Mm -hmm. And um, I know somebody uh, who, who has done this regularly for years. Mm -hmm. I think what they do is every day they write at the end of the day, they write down three things that yeah. they're grateful yeah. for. Yeah. Um, That's the one so, I've tried as well. So there was a thing on, you know, when these things come up on social media, there was a thing that came up on Facebook, I think, where people were sharing three things they were grateful for. And I think it went on for a week and I did oh, okay. it for a week. Okay. How did you find it? Um, yeah, I thought it was good. And I, and, um, I shared it with the person I mentioned. Mm. I said, did they want to take part? And that's when they said, oh, I've been... I, oh, I already do this. Already I've been do doing it for years. Okay. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really interesting. Mm. So it's one of those things. It's on my list of things that I've tried and it was really good. So I probably should do, but don't get yeah. around to do it. Yeah, I think, I think it, for me, it intersects with all kinds of other things that I use. Uh, it, 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 for me, when I do it, I mean, obviously, again, everybody will do this in a different way. But when I've done that three things at the end of the day thing, it really connects with my mindfulness practice and like um over many many years that enhances your ability to really appreciate the tiny pleasures and things in life so my three things sometimes they'd be really big things they'd be like oh this opportunity's come up or whatever but sometimes it'll be things like i had the most amazing chocolate today or something like that mm. or like sensory experience or or you know I saw this really amazing leaf or you know like I do a lot of photography so like there's lots of things in my life already where I I'm like in really natural habit of capturing small in heart life enhancing pleasures and I think this three things practice it in it, it teaches you to do that because it's basically asking you to focus on three things that have happened in the day that are good and if you've had a bad day air quotes you know because we have people have bad days there's always going to be something good that's happened in that day even if it's just that you laughed at something on the radio or you had your favorite sandwich for lunch there's always going to be something in that day and i think yeah. it's it's often prescribed to people who've got depression and anxiety you know, as a way of, you know, this is where we get into the uh, whole one of our other favourite topics about toxic positivity. So I think you have to be really careful with some mm. of this stuff, not in this context, because this is about self-care. So this, you know, but I think sometimes it can be, you know, the nuance of it can be like misunderstood. But I think if you're doing it as a as a day to day general practice, I think it is really life enhancing because you have to engage also with what you love in the world and what makes you happy just by obviously by doing that act and then it's going to make you think more about those things anyway because you, you basically you, anything we do re regularly tells our brains a certain message doesn't it whether it's a negative or a positive thing and by that doing that you're telling yourself consistently that there is a lot in life to be grateful for 
and that you know good things that that are around you you know which yeah i mean yeah. It, 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 it but it can it is problematic obviously if you've got if you're in a really 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 bad place somebody suggesting to you that you do that exercise ain't going to be a good idea but i'm not speaking for the purpose of this podcast i'm speaking more if you know if you're telling someone who's got depression to do it maybe don't do that but if you're using it as a self care tool in this context i think it's really yeah really good i've definitely used it myself before and it is actually you know mentioned the artist way before i think it can be is part of that sometimes as well mm-hmm. as a way of you know again grabbing onto and kind of anchoring all the good good inspiring things that we live with yeah yeah i i i think the, part of the beauty of it as well is um it's not not a time consuming thing to do is it oh, yeah, it's something absolutely. that can be done yeah. really quickly and as you said i think um sometimes we okay if we if we go on a holiday and have a fantastic time then it's easy to be thankful for that and grateful yeah, for that yeah. uh but most because most of the time we're not on holiday and we're at home and mm, in, normal in routines yeah we can lose sight of how good some of those really ordinary and familiar things are yeah absolutely mm. yeah and paying that attention you know to like you know what's coming up now is it applies in relationship doesn't it if you've been in a relationship for a very long time some of the things that are good to practice are paying attention to your partner not taking them for granted making sure you're engaging with what you like about them and making sure you like actually look at them (laughs) just things like that so being grateful for all the things in that i mean that yeah this this could again could take us all over the place but yeah i think that that is a really good self-care strategy Okay, I'm going to pull another card out of the pack. Uh, see what you've got here. Um, okay. Relax neck and shoulders. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This, do you know what? This one is an absolute revelation to people until they've realised that they that's where they hold the tension. <laughs> yes. Because I think, so for me, I discovered that as I developed a mindfulness practice and became more more aware of my body, um, just as like many, many years ago, early on in my career, I guess I was doing all kinds of different learning and training. And yeah, it kind of blew my mind how much tension was stored in that area of my body at that time. And I think I've come across this a lot with working with people and, you know, other professionals that I know. And a a big thing about it is how much we tend to kind of bring our shoulders up as well towards our ears when we're tense, you Mm -hmm. know. So this is where body work stuff and 
yoga and breath work and meditation and all this can be really transformative as you develop a better self-awareness um, to get to the point, and you can do it using this simple exercise that you've just pulled out of the box, where if you learn to bring your attention to your neck and shoulders, you can immediately notice what kind of state they're in, and then you can immediately do something different, can't you? So that might be that you just bring your shoulders down, <laughs> like away from your ears. It might be that you breathe into the tension. It might be that you get up and move. You might find that you're like really rigid and, you know, even in pain sometimes people get, don't they, in that area. Um, you know, so it can, bringing the awareness to the area of the body can in turn allow you to do something different. And like such a simple but actually quite difficult, if you've never done it before, act of self-care, isn't it, to pay attention I love the fact you pulled this one out of the box. This is really great. <laughs> really important. Really, really, really important. And like now, because I've like in various different ways over many, many years, it's it's an automatic thing that I'm able to do. So if any time I, you know, like doing video call work, you tend to be sitting in a much more rigid position than when you're in face-to-face -face sessions with people. Mm. So I'm aware that if I'm doing a video call, I'll now at some point during that time, bring my attention briefly to my posture and my neck and shoulders and then adjust it in a very small way if it's, you know, not feeling great. Because it is, you know, you're holding yourself rigid. It's never going to be good physically for, you, for your body, is it? So, no. yeah. So I love this. What what do you think about this one? Um, yeah, I, I, I think... I very much relate to what you said before about not being aware of the tension. So Helen bought me um, a massage, uh, oh. a birthday present. I had a yeah. massage, <laughs> I think, probably because I was kind of um, in a tense state mm -hmm. um, at that time. And um, the... Um, the person doing the massage says, "Oh, you're you're holding a lot of tension in your neck and your uh, shoulders." Yeah. To which my response was, "Am I?" <laughs> I didn't realise <laughs> that. Um, so she could feel that 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 mm, tension, mm -hmm. that kind of knottiness in the muscles. So she said, "I'm going to do a lot of work on your neck and shoulders because that's but that hurt as well. A lot of tension. <laughs> it did a bit, but um, so." periodically I, I i try and be conscious of especially sitting at a computer for long periods mm -hmm. of time try to stop and be conscious of um neck and shoulders and 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 also just not being in the sitting position for too long um but i i you know i can get uh, i'm still not brilliant at it i can get immersed in stuff and and realise that um, only when I get up and stop working, I can feel the kind of um, mm. pain in the neck and shoulders. So, um, again, this is one of those things that it, it can be done pretty quickly, can't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can do self-massage. So, self you can, you know, there's all sorts you can do to kind of release some of that. Some, like... There's some really simple movement exercises you can do to release that tension. 
yeah. and getting up and moving your arms around yeah. and all kinds of things. But there's something else that's making me think about this as well. This is becoming even more important in the modern age where most people have a smartphone and there's they're doing lots oh, yeah. of studies about the way our postures are being radically changed by constantly looking down at our smartphones. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure if you look at people walking along the street or people sat on buses, their necks are cut, like really, really down and they're like, you know, looking down towards the floor. And it's actually really dangerous. Not only is it gonna result in bad spinal posture and different things like that, but it's it causes more tension and pain. And all you have to do to like mentally correct that is reflect on how much the brain weighs and this and the head relative to the body <laughs> and then think about if a person is dipping their head what that's actually doing what strain mm -hmm. that's actually putting on the spine so it's kind of yeah it's becoming more and more important i think that we pay attention to that part of our bodies because so many of us have to sit still for so long all the time and we mostly choose to sit still in our leisure time as well so we'd be yeah, we might be sat watching the TV, we might be like in a bad posture, but then we might also be looking at our phones and all that. So I think getting into a practice of bringing your attention to that part of your body as a starting point is a, is a fantastic tip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and something physical that we can all, and the more you practice it, a bit like the gratitude journal stuff, the more you do it, the easier it becomes to do it. Yeah. On, just at the like click of your fingers. Yeah. You know whilst you're doing other things it becomes more, more automatic so think of it as like a positive self-training exercise mm. as well that you can get to a point where you will very rarely eventually have shoulders that go up to your ears because you won't get to that because you'll be aware of the tension and you'll be aware of the posture and all of that so it's, yeah that's all good that i love that one <laughs> great okay let's see what comes up next Okay, the next one is prompt a colleague to self-care. Oh, okay. So um, this could be a colleague, it could be a friend, um, it could be just somebody who you you have a professional or social association with, I guess. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So um, I'll, I'll say what it says, supporting colleagues to prioritise their needs helps build a culture of self-care this makes the work environment healthier for you and others. The more you prompt them, the more they'll prompt you, and slowly but surely it will become the norm. No more unrealistic oh. expectations of each other uh -huh. and glorification of working until you drop. Wow, I love that. Cultural change. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That is really, yeah, really, really good. So is that something that you have experience of in your current place of working or other places um thinking about it again it's something i think this sounds really good but do i do it enough hmm. um because i think I, I currently work in a small team um and i think we do look out for each other um oh. i think there's a good relationship there like saying if, if noticing someone's under pressure and saying is there anything i can do i've got some capacity to help so i think that is good but um does it go deeper than that i'm not i'm not sure really i, I think i think it's it's a it's a good there's a good sense of the of colleagues 
caring for each other. We don't mm. necessarily go into specific self-care activities or strategies. I'm reminded, actually, this is brought into my head. I, I went to meet with uh, somebody. Uh, we were working on um, doing some writing, mm. writing some resources um, that were going to be published. And um, so uh, I went into her office and um, we were sat talking and across her screen, screensaver, she created a screensaver and it was a word just going across her screen repeatedly. Mm. And the word was breathe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I said, why, what, why have you... Why well, have you got breathe uh, going across your screen all the time? And she said, "Well, it's just a reminder to. Oh. It's a bit like the the shoulders and neck thing. Oh, it really, really it is. is. Yeah, a reminder to stop and and consciously breathe and breathe more deeply. And she mm. said that is uh, just an effective way for me to to center myself and to. I love that. And, yeah, and, and so um, so because otherwise I can I can. You know, breathing is very shallow, and I'm not conscious of it. Uh, a tip within a tip. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, although she wasn't prompting me directly, I'm sure there must have been lots of other people who, when sitting with her, would say, yeah. "Why have you got?" It's great modelling. Oh yeah. yeah. Because there's so there's loads of stuff coming out at the moment actually relevant to this. If anyone's interested in looking into breath work a bit more, this there's so much good stuff coming out, and the evidence suggests that a lot of people quite frequently hold their breath when they're concentrating or when they're reading yes. social media. Or you know, not only are we not breathing deeply enough and slowly enough, we're often not really breathing at all for like good chunks of time. And that's just really not good for our obviously overall health and well-being. So that, yeah, that's a really good one. So yeah, so it's not just actively telling someone self-care stuff, it's modeling it, it's showing it. Yeah. And I think I've been getting on people's nerves for decades now because I <laughs> like got ill a long time ago and I had to like up my, I was already doing self-care but I had to like severely investigate and, and increase my self-care just to cope with the workplace. So my last um, organisational workplace that I worked in, for example, very few people took a lunch break. So, you know, I mean, this happens a lot now, even more, doesn't mm. it? People would have their lunch at their desk. They wouldn't go out of their office environment. And I would always go into, the, there was actually a lunch room there. I would always go there. And I always make a point of that because I was trying to be, you know, I was trying to do what it says on the card, actually. I was trying to be a good role model. I was trying to get the culture to change because people were under a huge amount of pressure. There was a lot of, like, staff sickness. You know, it was just not a very health, hilariously, it was within a healthcare setting, but it wasn't <laughs> healthy for the staff, you know. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I feel like I've been banging on about all this stuff for such a long time. And I think the thing I notice, obviously, is that, People aren't, aren't going to listen to that until they need it themselves. So sometimes it's a bit of a futile exercise. So I think modelling it like your colleague did is much more effective than telling people about things sometimes or say, oh, you know, this is really interesting. You really should do this or I'm doing this. But you're actually doing something like going out for a walk in your lunch break. And then people are going to see that. And, oh, what, what are they doing? 
you know, and then they might, you might have a conversation with them and you might say, oh, well, when I go out for a walk at lunchtime, I feel much more alert in the afternoon. And, you know, it's like sharing information, isn't it? And kind of all of that stuff. And I think, I think, yeah, I love that whole point about trying to shift the culture so that it's, it's much more well-being dominated, you know, it's different for me now, I suppose, because I am quite isolated in private practice. So I don't yeah. see colleagues very often. But, you know, when I do, obviously, you know, we're all working in similar fields. So it's interesting to have these conversations about our own well-being. And I think we do that together, don't we? As, as friends and colleagues, we talk yeah, about we well-being stuff quite a lot. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's it should be at the core of all helping professionals lives but obviously it isn't for so many different reasons and a lot of them are cultural reasons and I think to be a good role model and to kind of be talking about these things and doing them visibly is really important you know mm. yeah yeah so that's not right. a good one. yeah so let's see um what comes up next mm. Okay, create a self-care squad. I think that's quite similar to the previous Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. But um, this says, make a list of all the people in your life who lift you up and recharge your battery. This is your Uh self-care squad. Uh, They are your real-life cheerleaders, and they need to be cherished. Hmm. Um, If you're feeling on top of things at the moment, reach out to someone on the list who you think you can help. If you're not, reach out to someone who can help you. Mm, okay. Yeah, so actively identifying supportive people and actively using those relationships in in positive ways. That's yeah. Mm. That sounds. That's and and it's really good to do that when you are feeling relatively okay, isn't it? Because then it's going to be stronger structure available in the difficult times as yes. well. Because you've already established that kind of conversation with people and those, you know, loose sort of support structures, I guess. So, yeah, I like yeah. that one. That's really, yeah, I like that. The act of literally sitting down and deliberately making a, or it can also be done. We've talked about this before, I think, on the podcast, where you can do like a constellation diagram of yes. people. Um, so that that's a more complex way of doing, it's not a list. So you put yourself in the middle and you, for this example, we're talking about people who positively support your well-being. So you can put them in like different colours and for different categories of support, but you can also put them in different levels of support or different closeness levels or, you know, whatever works for you, like, you know, however you mm. understand support. So, you know, for, for so there might be some people in your life who know you really well and know your difficulties and vulnerabilities. And you would go to those people for certain things and then you would go to other people for more. I'm thinking of things like, you know, if you've got a personal trainer or you go to a yoga class, then the person that runs that class Mm. might be one of those support people, you know, that you're not necessarily going to ask or talk to them about, but you're going to use their services when you need them consistently and all of that. So it could be, yeah, it could be a list of all kinds of different people, couldn't it? But they're there then. It could be the person who, you know, when you go and buy a coffee and you see the same person and you have a brief yeah. hello and chat and smile. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. You know, so, so sometimes we 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 might be in somebody's self care squad and 
not aware that we are yeah I, t- I love I love the fact you mentioned that because those tiny interactions that brings us back to the gratitude list for me yeah. like those little interactions where I don't know there's a delivery driver that we have who's like just a lovely lovely mm. presence like we don't even mm. have that much conversation but he's just mm. like he appears really lovely and zen so every time <laughs> he comes to deliver something which like it's just so lovely to have that interaction so yeah that yeah you're right that, like that makes us feel good doesn't it that human interaction and it, and it might you know, like you say he, he delivers parcels to hundreds of people yeah you know does you know maybe not bothered but i think he does i think he likes the interaction also so it's yeah it's really yeah so it can be a whole spectrum of people can't it like in yeah. your life and having it anchored by writing it down like quite a lot of these exercises are about writing so you could actually get couldn't you i'm all about like really fabulous notebooks you could get yourself a really amazing notebook really beautiful that's going to be a pleasure to use and you could use it for these exercises and you could use mm. it as your gratitude journal or you know and that and kind of keep that as a thing that you're working on consistently and adding to so that if you do have a hard time because there's always hard times in life coming up you have then got it written down a bit like in therapy when I work with people who've had like quite severe mental health problems and we do what sometimes termed relapse prevention work at the end because they'll say well I'm doing really well now but I'm scared I'm going to go back to where I started I'm like okay well a you can't go back to where you started because you've done all this work and you've got all this knowledge but b let's literally make a plan and actually some of the things we do in that plan are like these exercises they're like writing a list of your support systems they're like writing a plan for what what will happen if i struggle you know who will i contact if i struggle you know so having that all anchored is a way of making it more accessible to you when you feel the least able to draw on it and i think yeah. that this exercise is really great for that yeah Hmm. I like the idea of the notebook as well. So yeah, I'm creating a place. A, 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 it's a, like a physical space for collecting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, this box right. Should we do really one good. more? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been pleased with what we've <laughs> really come up so it. far. It's yeah. been taking us some in some interesting directions. Um. Okay, I'm just going to do one more. So, uh, ooh, okay. I think um, it's funny how all these things connect. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This very much connects with something we've already spoken about, mm-hmm. something I should definitely do more. Switch off your phone for a Oh, hour. yeah, or permanently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, where do we start with this one? Uh, so yeah. I, 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 just as a prompt, um, it says, enjoy a whole hour without interruptions. Taking time without constant communication can be difficult, but is good for our minds and well-being. If you find it particularly hard, question what that means. We are not designed for a world of constant distractions mm-hmm. and our brains find it tiring. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, I think this is increasingly a problem. <coughs> and again, there's a lot of discussion around how to manage this. And, you know, the, the word addictive is bandied around quite a lot, which is 
controversial, but if you look at the dopamine receptor hits that you get from social media scrolling and things like that, I think there are quite a lot of people who do find it very difficult not to consistently engage. And there's various different ways of trying to manage that, but literally turning the whole thing off is probably the only one that's going to really address having a full break. I actually was listening. I went, oh, I'll have to try and try and find the resource for this because I listen to so many things. Sometimes I forget where I've heard which thing. But I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about this exact thing. And they said, if your phone is turned off, but still in your sight line, so on your desk or on your mm. next to you, it, you still are not, your brain is still not going to disengage. So you actually yes. have to turn it off and put it away so that you can't, because otherwise that part of your brain is primed for a new message or a new alert or whatever. And it's still looking for it, even though the other part of your brain knows you've turned the phone off. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of ways to kind of get around this. But yeah, your your question there of if you find it hard, then it's probably a good idea to look at why. Um, yeah, because a lot of us do find that very hard, and uh, you know, a lot of us unfortunately have to use social media partly for work. Mm. So there's difficulties around learning to manage that, and you know, it affects sleep. And it, oh, I could go on forever. That's why I hesitate at the beginning because it's so. But that that one coming back to their tip, which is turn it off for an hour, is a really good starting point. And just seeing how you feel differently doing that. But then there's so many other things that are also advisable, like turning your phone off at least two hours before it's time to go to sleep. Now, when I say that to people, they're like, oh, but I read in <laughs> bed or I, you know, I do this yeah, and do that. Yeah. Well, OK, we won't go into that. But that's like, yeah, there's just so much about this, which it's beneficial for us to take control of rather the other way around because if you go on your smartphone and look at how many hours a day you spend on your screen and most yeah i think all smartphones now you can look at breakdown can't you of what mm. you've been doing on it for mm. most people just doing that it will horrify you into action let's just say because i think some people will go into that and they'll find that they're on their smartphones like seven hours a day and <laughs> stuff yeah so yeah I, I, I... I think um, what what strikes me is that um, it's very interesting you say if it's still in your sight line but switched off, it's in your mind. The, the other thing is um, what I take from this is um, it doesn't mean switch off your phone for an hour and then spend that hour on your laptop or watching TV or, yeah. or, or looking at another screen. So for me, um, and I don't do this enough, but I, I tried to implement, and I, I've been partially successful, screen-free Sunday, I call it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I try and avoid looking at screens. Um, it is really difficult sometimes because, you know, there'll be a call. I, you know, there'll be, it, it, Sunday might be the only time I've got to respond to yeah, yeah. a friend's message or something like that. But when I did say have five or six hours mm -hmm. not looking at tv not look not being on a laptop yeah not not looking at the phone um i found it enormously beneficial well maybe yeah. the first the first half hour was like what am i going to do yeah it's difficult um, isn't it yeah really really kind of um disoriented disorientated by it but yeah. um 
at the end of that period thinking well I went for a walk or I oh. or I did a job in the house but I didn't have it was almost like settling back into a normal time frame yeah changing gears yeah yeah rather than where in the in the kind of virtual world everything's kind of quick and rushed in some mm-hmm. feels like it's quick well, and it, rushed. it's designed for that isn't it it's designed yeah. so we can consume more and more and more stuff and quicker and you know less meaningfully and all that i don't know if if the audience heard my phone which is this is hilarious my phone is on airplane mode because we're recording a podcast so no alerts or messages can come my phone just gave me an alert there because it wants to show me some photographs even though it's uh-huh. turned- that haven't turned it completely off, but I had it on airplane mode. So if anyone did hear that alert, it wasn't a text message. It was my phone wanting to show me a gallery of my photographs. I'm like, really? I mean, it's a great example, isn't it? I yeah. thought that it couldn't interrupt me, but it just managed to interrupt me. So, so it's your phone going, please. Hello, please. you haven't done it. It's been off for too long. What do you think you're doing? You will look at me. Yeah. So I was like, I did look at it because I was like, what the hell just got through that? It's literally on airplane mm-hmm. mode. I was like, oh. So, yeah, thanks for that phone. That was really good. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay, this has been great. This is, yeah, this this box, this is a really, really good resource. I love it. And obviously, yeah. like I said at the beginning, there's 50 acts. I think we've gone through about maybe eight, haven't we, yeah. today? Yeah, so... Um, so- um we'll put the details of this in the uh show notes yeah um, but it's 50 acts of professional self-care for social workers um and there's two logos Kerwin mclean associates and self-care psychology mm-hmm. so i just want to give you a, a flavor of some of the others we're right. not going to yeah. discuss them but um just kind of uh, limit yourself to one five-minute vent a day. <laughs> Do a feelings diary. Mm-hmm. Make a list of why you're awesome. <laughs> Bring the team a gift to make them smile. Mm-hmm. Do the equal breathing exercise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, what what I'll do is I'll put the equal breathing exercise in the show notes. Wonderful, yeah, right. Okay. What that is, take a lunch break away from your desk. I think. Um, oh, we said that one. Talked yeah. about that. Take a snack to work. Allow yourself five minutes to daydream, and a passive progressive relaxation exercise again i'll put mm. the details of that it that in the show notes to say what that is wonderful um, but maybe as a as an exercise that listeners can do at home um maybe just write down or talk about yeah maybe do both write down one of the things we've talked about um, that you think ah, I, I, it would be great if I could start practicing that and doing that and then as a second stage maybe just tell somebody about that that you've started doing it as a motivator yeah that's great to, yeah. to do the same or just to think about something mm-hmm. else um, and a good way to think about something else that might work for them is to suggest they listen to this podcast oh of course and everyone that you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um we we're we're not 
we haven't decided what we're going to do next time because we've got a lot of um, so different many ideas. ideas that we're weighing yeah. up. So, um, but we're going to lay um, down the next few episodes. So maybe next episode we can list the upcoming ones because by then we'll yes. hopefully know what they're going to be, won't we? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you found this interesting, entertaining, yeah. or useful. Enjoy. And, um, <laughs> Thanks for listening and hopefully see you next time. Yeah. Take good care of yourselves. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hoped you enjoyed this episode. How We Care is brought to you by Elizabeth Turk and Paul Gaunt via Simplecast. Case studies are generalised and do not relate to individual clients. Please subscribe for more episodes, rate us and follow us on Twitter details in the show notes for information on upcoming episodes many thanks to ed tidy for the music and technical assistance see you next time see-